to the Bloodlust and Bourbon Podcast. My name is Steven. I'm Hannah. I'm Troy. And today we're talking about uh, the 80s slasher slash Frankenstein movie slash horror comedy thing called Blood Diner. It, it really is like, I don't want to get too much into it now, it really is like a, a mix of many different things. Uh, yeah, I would say it's most, it, I would say it's mostly a horror comedy um, but it's definitely those things for sure. But uh, before we get into that, let's uh, let's uh, get into what we've been watching. Uh, Hannah, tell us what you've been watching recently. Oh, man, this is such a rough time because I have watched so many good things this month that I've been just struggling for days now trying to narrow things down. I finally got it to three. So one of the, like the top one probably, and this is almost certainly going to be in my top five this year, is Resurrection with Rebecca Hall. Uh, last year, of course, she was in the Night House that everybody went gaga for. And I got to admit, like that one, it was good, but it just didn't grab me the way it did everybody else. This one for me is my Night House. Like this just absolutely blew my mind and I fucking loved it. And unfortunately, the thing that I think is most interesting is something that I don't want to give away. So I'm just going to kind of cover what the trailer shows, because you're better off going into it knowing as little as possible. So Rebecca Hall plays kind of a professional woman. She's in like an ad agency or something, uh, totally has her life together, has a good relationship with her daughter has a nice little fling on the side. She gets laid whenever she wants. She's totally got a great life. And then one day while she's sitting in a conference, this man shows up and she has an absolute panic attack. And then she starts seeing him in a park and in a store and he's just turning up all over the place. And it's not clear at first what her relationship to him is. And you eventually find out maybe a third of the way through the movie in this seven minute long monologue that is absolutely incredible. And from there, it goes into something that I didn't expect. Like from the trailer, I went, okay, yeah, whoever this man is, it's like an ex or something, I'm going to want him to die. But <laughs> there's an element to it that I did not see coming. And it's just absolutely fucking wild. And it was so good. And the way she plays it is incredible. I absolutely cannot recommend it too much. 
is just, oof, it's amazing. I made Steve watch it. I don't think he liked it as much as I did, but, yeah, but it's uh, really, really I mean, good. I, I mean, she liked it so much that saying that I didn't like it as much as she did is, is yeah. still <laughs> me really liking it. It was a really thrilling and, and interesting movie. It's just that she like, yeah, she liked it. Like I liked Barbarian and then she liked Barbarian. Yeah. Like I like this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then another one that I absolutely just have gone nuts for is a slightly older one. It's from 2018 called Braid, or depending on what platform you look it up on, sometimes it's called Dying to Play. And I had never heard of this until recently. It kind of popped up in a couple of the horror groups that I'm in. People kept posting about it and saying, I don't know if I liked this or not. And that to me is just fascinating. Like I like that better than if everyone is going gaga for something. So I thought, well, I have to try this. And I ended up just fucking loving it. It is weird. I can see why people are um, ambivalent about it because it is super strange. But for me, like it hit all the right notes. Uh, The basic plot is that two women who are involved in drug deals get their stash stolen And they kind of go on the run because people are going to do bad things to them if they can't come up with like $80,000. And they go to an old friend's house to hide out slash rob her. And at this point, it sounds like a crime movie, and it absolutely is not. Because their friend, who's the main woman from Cam, which came out about the same time, that was really popular, uh, she's absolutely insane. And she likes to play a game that involves her being the mother and one of them being the child and the other one being a male doctor. And they're doing like a a checkup, a house visit. It goes into sort of some torture porn. It gets uncomfortable at times, but the more they do, the more she'll pay them money. And then they're also trying to crack into a safe. There's some drug use. It gets really wild. There's... The thing that I liked about it the most is it needed some work. Like you can tell it's low budget. Every act needed to be fleshed out more because every now and then I was like, I don't like, how did you know to do this? This doesn't make any sense. How did you get here? All that sort of stuff. But it had a lot to say about gender roles, about women, about um, our choices, our lack of choices, how women end up in the home it's just oh there was so much to it and i was crazy for it and then the last one is one that again everyone in the especially the shutter group has been talking about and it's really divisive called speak no evil uh troy i mentioned this one to you before uh it's re- it's really dark uh but the plot for that one is basically um a couple couples meet on vacation and then one couple invites the other to come stay at their farmhouse for a weekend and they go because they're fucking stupid and of course it turns out that the people at the farmhouse are not what they seem it's a really slow burn because most of the time they're just kind of hanging out and doing odd things the couple is very kind of passive aggressive there's all these microaggressions and the visiting couple doesn't know how to handle things. 
in any kind of healthy way. So they just keep putting up with everything and it escalates. That one does have a lot of child abuse and it gets pretty hairy at the end, but it was, it was good. It's another one that, like I said, some people really don't like and seem to be really affected by at the end, but I liked it a lot. Uh, Troy, what about you? What have you been watching in the like four days we've since we recorded? <laughs> um, well, a couple of days ago, I kind of I bench watched just a bunch of stuff, mind you. It was stuff that I hadn't seen in I would say a I would say a year, I would say close to maybe ten years. Um, let's see. <sighs> Little Shop of Horrors was one. That's uh, always a really good watch. Um, class of Newcomb High. Uh, I, you know, if I'm being completely honest with myself, when it comes to trauma, there are trauma movies that I really, really enjoy. I'm, I'm sorry to say though, that a lot of them, I, I can't sit through a lot of them just don't hit for me. And I know there's a lot of horror fans too, that are just like, they eat it up. Right. And that's fine. This is why horror is great because there's something for everybody for like all walks of life and all walks of, uh, trash. Like <laughs> not, not everybody has to like everything. No. And I put a class of Newcomb high is one that hits really well. I love the toxic Avenger. And um, it seems like I like the ones that Lloyd Kaufman actually directs because he directed Toxic Avenger. He directed Class of Newcomb High. Um, can't think of the other ones right now. Oh, excuse me. Um, but I I rewatched that. It was great. I rewatched The Stepfather 2. Um, that was a pretty fantastic movie. I don't know why it, you know what the stepfather two is so close to being like a lifetime movie. It reminds me, it get, or it doesn't, it doesn't remind me. It gives me so many vibes of lifetime murder movies around that time. I'm just like, God, it's just teetering on the edge of being one. Or if I didn't know what it was and somebody was like, this is a lifetime movie. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I, I believe you. Uh, Phantasm was one that I had on the fun house. That's one I had never fully seen, or I remember watching it. And you know what? I was upset when I first started to watch it because the cover has this really kind And whenever I saw it first, like, you know, the spooky clown cover of that movie. Yeah. It's it, he's like, he has that ax. Um, I had no idea for a long time it was directed by Toby Hooper. So that got me back into it. But I was so mad because the villain of the movie wasn't the fucking clown. And um, you, I mean, now you can't be too mad because throughout the eighties, a lot of horror movie covers and posters and box art never truly represented the, the actual movie. Um, I think one of the most egregious of that is uh Chopping Mall. <laughs> you can never, you can never look at the cover of Chopping Mall and think like, and guess what the movie's about. There's no way. Um, nobody gets chopped in Chopping Mall. Um, yeah. And then the, I mean, it's not a movie, but the Hellraiser trailer finally dropped and I think it looks fantastic. 
Oh, oh, I, I agree. Looks, I think it looks yeah. great. Oh, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, okay, you know, Hulu hit really well when Prey came out. I didn't see all of it, but from what I did watch of it, I really liked. And it, I feel like they're going to hit really well again with Hellraiser. At least that's my hope. And it also makes me very happy that it seems to be getting a lot of really good reception. The only like bad reception I, I've seen regarding the trailer are the really stupid take people who are like, why can't Hollywood make something new? Like just shut, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Um, like that's the only criticism. Nothing's original anymore. Yeah, we know. It, nothing's been original for a very long time. I think it looks great. Um, but I'm very happy to see that it is getting generally good reception. I saw some people that were like, well, they haven't give us, given us a trailer yet because it's not going to be good. And they're just trying to hide it from everybody. And it's like, I don't think that's the case. It's just, I don't know. Maybe I don't know how the marketing works for movies that are streaming. Um, I do. I, I kind of wish they would have, you know, presented it a little bit earlier because I feel like it could have built more hype because it's, it comes out in like two or three weeks or something. Yeah. Um, it's like October 7th or something like that. Right. Yes. Um, and one other thing is not something I watched, but, um, a friend of mine on Facebook, do you know, you know, the store rotten cotton, the, uh, the t-shirt store. I've heard of them. I've never bought anything from them. Okay. Um, I've, I've bought a few things, button. <laughs> that's not a word. I've, uh, purchased a few, <laughs> I've purchased a few shirts from them. That's, that's one of the first horror movie, uh, apparel stores I've ever bought from. And I've always loved their stuff and I'm friends with the owner on Facebook. And I think he's really funny. He's very opinionated and unabashedly opinionated. Like if he has an opinion on a movie or something, he doesn't he doesn't uh he's not cookie cutter about it he's very straightforward um i don't know how but he got to see the monsters and the monsters doesn't come out for literally a week from now the 27th it leaked i got a link to it oh okay well then that makes sense um i didn't know that but he wrote a review and i you know i'm gonna watch it for myself to see if i like it but his review made me laugh I just thought it was really funny and it doesn't spoil anything. There's no like details. It's just a very brief few sentences and I want to read it. I think you all might find it funny too. Um, and also give you some perspective. You know, I'm going to la- I'm going to, if I end up really liking this movie, it's going to be really funny, but he said, wow, Rob zombies, the monsters is dog shit, folks, dry dog shit. It's so bad. Nothing works. Nothing. None of the jokes work. Everything falls flat as fuck. It looks like a four year old made this with crayons and paste for 25 cents. It's not funny or interesting. And the pacing is so bewilderingly, bewilderingly, bewilderingly off. Uh, I apologize. And painful, I just wanted to kill myself. And Sherry is the worst she's ever been. Someone give her a cookie. The whole thing is embarrassing and shitty. Fuck it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so like, like, like when, when, when I see people 
Like I, I get that that's a funny review, but when I see people say that stuff, I'm like, what did you, I don't. Yeah. What's the actual, like what, you know, what didn't you, what specifically didn't you like about the movie? Yeah, no, I mean, even not like, what did you expect? Yeah. No, from a I, monsters movie. When 100%. I watch it, when I watch it, I know a hundred percent, I'm going to be sitting there going, they're mad about this. I mean, like just because like, I, I, I feel like the, a lot of the people that are going to complain about this have not watched the monsters in like 20 years and don't understand right. that the monsters is really fucking campy. Like, like, I mean, really, yeah. really campy and really like, not what would say poorly made, but like if the show came out these days, nobody would, Nobody would appreciate it. They would they, we'd be no. getting the same response we're getting now to this movie. I, I am seeing a lot of people say that it needed to be in black and white. I think sure. that like if you really want it to be in black and white, download the movie, fucking put it in a, a filter real quick and make it black and white. See what yeah. it looks like. It's yeah, really I mean, not that hard. Yeah, like Rob Zombie's gonna do it eventually anyway. But like a lot of people like color, and I think it's really cool that Rob Zombie decided to put this in color. Sure. So, um, well, we'll see I mean, how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, I just it kind of caught me off guard because I've seen people talk about how they weren't big fans of it, but whenever I saw their reveals, like it just kind of threw me aback. I was like, Jesus! <laughs> it was funny how like intense the review is, and mostly because of just the points that you made. It's like, I mean, it's are you are you surprised? You know what I mean? Like, are you surprised of what you saw? If I'm being honest with you, I'm not a huge Munsters fan. And I, I don't mean that like I dislike the Munsters. I just mean that I've never like I've never really sat and watched it. I've never been super interested in watching it. It's just not really been my thing. Um, yeah. So I don't even know if the movie will hit for me in general because I'm not even really a Munsters fan. See, and I love um, the Munsters. So we'll sure so i'm definitely interested to hear your perspective um but this is the first i i this is the first thing i've seen about it watch when everybody else loves it and watch when i watch it and i'm like oh this is great i don't know we'll see here's the thing i'm predisposed to generally like rob zombie movies i do think he makes fucking turds every once in a while yeah uh uh three from hell is a big old steaming pile of shit in my opinion but yeah that's a different uh that's a different subject but sure sure uh <laughs> all i gotta say is that if i can sit through when i was a kid and watch the monsters revenge like well over like 20 times um i can i can watch this it'll be okay the monsters revenge is like a monsters movie where like wax figures of them come to life and do crime <laughs> like wow wow yeah so like if i can watch that well over 20 times in fact i had the dvd of it i love it I could watch Rob Zombie's The Monsters and be be perfectly fine. No worries. It's going to have to be like a huge pile of dog shit for me to be like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, Yeah. like I can understand it being campy and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to criticize the movie in any capacity based on that. Um, I'm going to watch it and... uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like it might come across like really cringy for me. Maybe I I don't know. That's just because like I said, I'm not, a. you know, maybe it's just, that's because it's not for me, but I'm definitely more, I'm definitely interested to hear what you have to say about it because you are a fan of the show. 
and you have yeah. a much different perspective than I would. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, so yeah, real quick, uh, I want to get into a movie to the uh, I've seen, or frankly that we've seen, because I have not had a lot of time with being in class to be able to just watch um, movies. Right. Movies I want to watch, frankly. Um, So we went to the theater and saw The Invitation. Now, I don't think I really talked too much about The Invitation the last time. No. Um, But yeah, it's a PG-13 vampire movie. Um, I know that turns a lot of people off. You were you were a little turned off by it. I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, I won't say great or anything like that. It does have its problems. But um, I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. It was a real fun ride. Um, it's a specific type of vampire movie. I will say that. OK, um, that I don't think a lot of people. Expected. Um, so we'll see how that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I. um I thought it was a real good uh, like update to some vampire movies that maybe you've seen in the past. Hannah, okay. did you have thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, my only like my only real complaints with it were the pacing. I think it would have been nice to have kind of more suspense because the trailer told us that it was a vampire movie. And then there were a lot of jump scares really early on and it just showed a lot that I think would have been better off if it was um, just maybe more atmospheric and then save some of the more uh, brutal stuff for later on. But also that might be just a preference for me. It wasn't bad. I I liked the last half better than the first half. And then I think my our experience was also hindered by the fact that our theater had the volume jacked up to like fucking 15 it was insanely loud in there boy but yeah it was cute i liked i would recommend it it was yeah and i think the thing that like was annoying about that was that it's not the kind of movie that needs to be loud like you're expecting certain movies to be kind of loud and this was not one of them uh so that that did kind of hinder it but it is what it is. I am a proponent of PG-13 horror um, and, sure. and generally in children's horror. I think this is a, a fun one, but I think okay. everybody, you know, should at least check out once it's streaming or something, you know, it, you'll no, know that's... exactly when it happens. You'll know exactly what I mean by it's a very specific type of vampire movie. Gotcha. Gotcha. I um, I I'm with you on the PG-13 part. Where my frustration, because I want to put like, because I've I've mentioned a lot through many episodes that I'm generally a supporter of it, the general concept, meaning that I don't I don't necessarily get disappointed if a movie is PG-13 versus R. I'm more, for instance, let's take 1408, which is PG. Yeah, 14. I was thinking it's not 1308. It's 1408. It's a PG-13 horror yeah. movie, right? Or Drag Me to Hell or um, Krampus. I think all three of those are excellent movies. I think they're PG-13 because they ha- the director did what they wanted to do and didn't necessarily need to add anything else to those movies. 
Um, even Sam Raimi, when he did drag me to hell, he didn't need to add more gratuity to it, like more gratuitous violence to it, um, to make it any better. It's, I think when I hear a movie is PG 13 and it comes across like it's that way because they probably had to cut tons of stuff out to make it more suitable for a particular audience. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of a bummer. The movie, the way it looked is if maybe they'll have a uncut version of the invitation that comes out at some point in time. Cause I remember reading the director said there was an uncut version of it. And I'm like, I, I just don't like when a, when a horror movie is cut for the sake of selling more tickets to a younger yeah. audience. You know what I mean? Um, it's nothing against, I'm just trying to be like, it's the, the principles and integrity of why a PG, why a horror movie is PG 13. Is yeah. What I would say. I would bring that up with, uh, the producers, you know, like, oh, I mean, sure. like, yeah, like it's not the director or the filmmakers or the actors or anyone. Right. Yes. It's absolutely. 100% the producers. I, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Yeah. And it just come, it just bums me out because I, I feel like, like uh, the Meg, for instance, that movie was supposed to be rated R if you can believe it. And there was this whole, like, there was a, well, not a whole scene. There was a whole bunch of scenes that were like supposedly insane and crazy and had practical effects and they all had to get cut out and they don't have the, like the footage of it anymore. And I'm just like, damn. Gotta love that, the, M- yeah. The you gotta MPAA. love the MPAA. Yeah. Whenever we talk about Friday, the 13th part seven, I, you know, I'll get into it more, but they, they, oh, did they more, yeah, they did more cutting in that movie than Jason did. Um, but we won't get into that now. We'll get into that later. Um, uh, and I'll be frank with you. Uh, I do not remember the other movie I said I would talk about. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it definitely was not PG-13. I'll give you that. Oh. It was the Belko experiment. Oh, the Belko oh, experiment. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I mean, uh, frankly, uh, we do not have the time for me to get into everything I have to say about this damn movie. Uh, because <laughs> it was, uh, and I think Hannah actually told on me to you, uh, watching this movie with me was like listening to me <laughs> complain about capitalism for fucking an hour and a half. Uh, I mean, that's Great. cool. I um, so, but you like so? Well, I don't know if that means you like the movie or dislike the movie. No, I, I really liked it. Actually, I really liked. Oh, okay, it. Uh, me too. Yeah, um, yeah. Me I think too. we all three agree on this one, right? Like we all. Yeah, like this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I need to give it a rewatch because it's been a while since I've seen it. But I do remember when I watched it, I really liked it a lot because I like Tony Goldwyn and I thought he was great in Ghost and yes. um, he died really cool in Friday the 13th part 6 oh yeah <laughs> he got stabbed with a spear and then chucked over his Jason's shoulder <laughs> but yeah she showed um, me the, the Belko experiment and I really liked it and I have a lot to say about it but I do think that it might be on my short list of things I'm going to pick um, okay. here real soon Sweet. so um, I'm just going to leave it at that you should watch it it's a great critique of capitalism and corporatism um, and colonialism honestly uh, you know considering where they are located um, and I think everybody should watch it so yeah uh, that being said does anyone have anything else they want to say you're nodding Hannah 
What are you? Oh, I was just gonna say it's uh, like I watched the Belko experiment first, and it was super disturbing. And I was like, I I don't ever like I like it a lot, but I don't ever want to watch it again. And then four days later, I was like, Hey, let's <laughs> I want to show you this. And it was just so much fun watching it with him because he went through like all the same stages of grief that I did where he would look at a character and be like, oh, they're going to make it to the end. And then five minutes later, he was like, oh, never mind. Oh, well, this one's a plant. And then, oh, never mind. Like, it was like so fucking four, funny because we had the same train of thought. <laughs> I thought like four different people were narcs. Straight up. I thought the four different people were just like the, the Pinkertons running around fucking just busting all these people. <laughs> Like, I was just like, oh, look at this bastard. You, you never trust a white guy with a gun. He's definitely a Pinkerton. Get him. Get him. And then, you know, he would die. And I'd be like, well, he can't be a Pinkerton. Now he died. <laughs> I'm using Pinkerton very loosely uh, because, you know, everybody knows what a Pinkerton is, right? Uh, that was the joke. But uh, anyway, I think it's time that we move on. Uh, and let us talk about Blood Diner. Spoiler alert. Ah, hello, fellow food lovers. I'm Phil Mignon, world-famous gourmet. In my travels, I've sampled some of the most exciting foods the world has to offer. That's why they've asked me to tell you all about a charming new eatery located right downtown. As uh, you can see, the atmosphere is lovely. But of course, the uh, finest attribute of this quaint cafe is the marvelous cuisine. By the way, what is a special ingredient in the Tuesday surprise? Well, if I told you that, it wouldn't be a surprise anymore, would it? They're, um, <clears throat> mouth-watering specialties. <laughs> will have you, as they say, licking your lips. Uh, only the freshest natural ingredients are selected. The first ingredients we need are two stomachs from a couple of trans. For use in their carefully guarded <clears throat> recipes. I'd give my right arm for that secret recipe. Ah! Uh, yes, the chef puts a bit of himself into every succulent dish. Oh, and he's always pleased to serve you to your friends. Uh, sh shouldn't that be serve you and your friends? Uh, no. Uh, your gracious hostess will direct you to your table where you will dine as if there's no tomorrow. So, breeze on down and don't let anything stand in your way. Oh, uh, this Epicurean haven is called Blood Diner. You got that right, homo. So, this is Phil Mignon, ah, saying, bon appetit. Oh, mommy. The Blood Diner. First they greet you, then they eat you. No one under 17 admitted.
diner. All right. So something we're going to start doing from now on is whoever mandates it is going to run this uh, segment of the podcast. I think that like works really uh, well and it leaves me from not wanting to uh, uh, take a very long swim uh, into the middle (laughs) of the ocean. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. So uh, Troy, take it away. All right. So we're talking about blood diner. Um, If I'm being honest, uh, I was hoping Cause I really liked it. I, okay. So something about blood diner is that I first saw this when FearNet was a thing, FearNet on demand, when I didn't have the means to just rent everything from the movie gallery, right next to the Shinaway Kroger. Um, I would go to FearNet on demand before it was spectrum before it was time Warner. It was insight. And, um, that, that introduced me to so many movies, uh, fear net did. And one movie they had on there constantly was blood diner. I don't remember what drew me to it. Why it might've just been that it was just on the list. And I just was going down the list of the stuff they had on there that I'd never heard of or seen. And I watched it and I was, um, blown away. I guess it, it stuck in my head is this movie that would just kind of never stopped. Uh, some of the humor I will say is a bit dated. There's, um, a lot of, there will not say a lot, but there's, uh, there's a few different slurs that they say in the movie, um, uh, against, uh, queer folks. Um, but I think there's a lot of kind of like practical humor in the movie, Um, and, uh, it's real silly. Um, I think if you don't know what you're getting into it, it might be a lot sillier than you're expecting it to be. Um, which to me is kind of, (laughs) how do I want to say, uh, to me it works because you have like these incredibly gruesome things that are going on and they're coupled with, um, really silly things. It's just like a juxtaposition of both things anyways. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely a big fan of the movie. Um, what are your all's initial thoughts on the movie? Uh, so <laughs> the eighties slashers, especially in the uh, later part of the period for me are very like hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mainly miss, if I'm going to be frank. Uh, so this one, like, I do, I do like horror comedies. I do think that this had some interesting things to say, but it didn't necessarily land um, the way I thought it would. Um, and, and I do think that, like, I want to preface this by saying that I think if I saw this when I was a teenager, I probably would have fucking loved it. Um, mm. But I'd actually never seen Blood Diner. Okay. Um, so I think that that might have colored how I felt, too. Okay. Um, because like a lot of my late eighties movies come from nostalgia, like Pet Cemetery, stuff like that. Sure, um, sure. So it it didn't land necessarily well with me, uh, but I do think it has some interesting things to say. Uh that I have a lot of notes for it. Uh <laughs> which is <laughs> which I think is, is is necessarily a good thing. Uh but it, it didn't necessarily land with me. Um like I said, I like horror comedies. I just I didn't know 
I knew it was a comedy. I just didn't know what style of comedy it was going to be. And I, it, it, I wish more that it would have picked a subgenre of horror to stick with and go that way. I think it would have landed a little bit better with me okay. on that one. Um, and I'm not about trying to be too harsh on it, but uh, no, I think those are valid, uh, valid criticisms. Um, uh, for and, sure. And I'll get more into what, what I'm talking about by like different subgenres. I, we already talked a little bit, but I'll get more into it here in uh, a few minutes. But yeah, it, it didn't necessarily land with me uh, this round. So Hannah. Uh, yeah. So some of the same things I also, most of the eighties movies don't, work for me very well uh i tend not to care much for cheesy things and that's a lot of what this is uh horror comedies i know i've mentioned before just really with just a few exceptions really do not work for me uh unlike steve i do not have a lot of notes for this i have a lot of questions (laughs) i have like three semi-intelligent thoughts and then all the rest of my notes are like, what is this? What weren't those children a different race? Why is the dummy alive? What is why are there wrestlers? Why are there yeah. Hitlers? Like that that's it. That's all my notes are is like, what the fuck is going well, on? I believe, Troy, I, <laughs> I believe Troy's here to answer your questions. I'm here. Yes. I this is gonna be 20 questions. I love stuff. I love stuff that's for me, that's completely absurd. And there's so many completely fucking absurd, not a few, not a couple things. Most things in this movie are completely fucking absurd. Just they're like every I I took notes and summarized every single scene in this movie. And there is something absolutely fucking absurd in all of it. Whether you go to like, you can pick any part of about this, this, uh, this movie, the nude aerobic stuff, the fucking band of Hitlers. Also there's a Hitler wrestler. Um, yeah, they kept saying that his name was like something Hitler, and I was like, Jimmy "Did they say Hitler. Hitler?" Yeah, Jimmy Hitler. Oh yes, yes, Adolf Hitler's famous wrestler cousin, yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy Hitler, and like, or you could say like, um, things like, "Well, they're serving people, you know, body part. Like, the, they just put some literal fingers into a deep fryer, right? Yeah, and well, the people were just able to eat them and not realize yeah. their fingers." Like, oh, they're fish sticks. Like, bitch, those have giant bones in them and nails. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. real, real quick, real yeah. quick. Do you all like fish sticks? <laughs> I'm not Kanye West, no. God damn it. That's a, gr- that's a great episode, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kanye beefing the creators of South Park. Oh, no, that will, yeah, that will be, um, speaking of beefs, that will be in our episode about uh, when it, it'll be out by this point, but Kanye's uh, list of beefs will be the opening of our episode about Jason Liz. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I was going to say, though, in, in regards to the stuff that is silly and absurd, I know a lot of people who don't, who also don't like stuff like that. Um, and that's completely valid. Um, I, I mentioned before the podcast, something like um, Jack Frost and that movie kind of is very similar in that regard. And I feel like 
even if you don't necessarily like it or you don't, you're not a fan of the humor. I feel like if you were to get friends together and have like a drinking game, I feel like it might be more enjoyable. Um, and I agree with what Steven said about, um, having, if you do have nostalgia for the movie from watching it as you're younger, it probably sticks around better. Cause yeah. that's definitely my case. It, cause, cause I have no excuse for not liking this movie considering, sure. considering like the last one I picked was maximum overdrive. And I fucking love that movie. And it sure. is just as much balls to the wall as this and weird as this. And, and you all ripped it apart and that is completely fine. But like, like I said, I, for me, like, I love horror comedies, but specific right. horror comedies from the late eighties. Um, and, and, uh, I, I mean, late, late eighties, like seven on, um, really that, like, I think I need nostalgia with that. Um, uh, that said, like, I guess, uh, was, uh, slaughter high was a horror comedy from the mid to late eighties. And I like that one better than I like this one. Sure. So, um, so, yeah, no worries. Um, I honestly, I wasn't sure if this, if the humor in this movie would hit for either of you all. Um, and it's not surprising that it wouldn't. There's a, like I said, there's a lot of people I know that wouldn't like necessarily, um, how absurd it is. Um, but I, I feel like in various different situations, like I said, especially like a, like a drinking game type yeah. situation with friends, it's probably more enjoyable, like infectious laughter and all that. Yeah. It, it um, might be better off in a setting where you don't necessarily like sit there and just watch it. <laughs> you um, have to analyze um, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here like in my, like, you know, I, I'm currently in, in film studies, you know, in school for that. And like, sure. just like, I'm overly analyzing everything I watch and then I'm watching sure. this and I'm like, I can't turn my brain off. <laughs> I just can't. So yeah. don't blame you. Uh, let's get into um, the basics of this movie. Troy. Yes. All right. So um, this movie summarized, it's pretty, it's a pretty simple plot um, before I, you know, break it down and go into it. Essentially you have um, two brothers who own a diner and they're being instructed by their uncle, who is just a brain eyeballs and a tongue, which I'm guessing that's what you were asking. If that was a dick, I'm pretty sure it's a tongue. Um, would have much preferred a dick. Uh, yeah, that so, would have <laughs> I asked because IMDB, the plot says that they're being instructed by their uncle's brain and penis. Maybe, so maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it's a dick. Maybe it is. I, I just, I didn't look that closely. So I'll go with what IMDb said. And it's <laughs> brain, eyeballs, and penis. To, what else do you need? <laughs> right. Um, to construct a body that will host the goddess Sheetar, the blood goddess Sheetar of, oh, what was the, uh, what was the, uh, this, the cult culture, Lumerian, Lumerian culture. So basically that the whole goal is for them to kill people, steal their body parts, create a vessel for Sheetar, and then have a blood feast to resurrect her. Yeah. Blood feast. All right. Blood feast. Yeah. So um, you, you, you mentioned blood feast, like 
this is supposed to kind of sort of be a sequel to Blood Feast. Like, um, yeah, or not Blood Feast, Blood Diner. Yeah, but yeah, no, 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 it is. It is supposed to be, or at the very least, an, um, an, an homage. Um, I don't... I don't know if it was ever ever declared a sequel, uh, but it's definitely like supposed to be like a maybe even a reboot, maybe. Hmm. But um it's yeah. definitely it's 100 percent associated with HG Lewis's movies. That's one of probably yeah, yeah. never talk no, that's a guy I'll probably never talk about much because as much as I appreciate like, oh, he's uh, you know, the, the American godfather of gore, and he, he kind of invented the splatter film. I'm not he, a huge fan of his movies. Like, I feel like a lot of them are really boring to me. Mm. So you probably won't catch me talking about a lot of them on here. And see, I'm sitting here thinking I would probably like Blood Feast better than Blood Diner. Really? I mean, you can watch it. I, this is, Am I've I seen Blood see? Feast. Um, I think it's a kind of a slog. Um, but maybe, maybe you will really enjoy it. It's just H.G. Lewis is kind of, he had, he was mostly relied on his movies being shocking for the time. And I feel like the rest of the parts of the movie that aren't quote unquote shocking are just kind of like, that's, it's a movie, I guess. Um, what? I feel like a lot of horror can do that when it when it when it's focused when it's focused on gore only yeah you know uh, and we might disagree on on movies that do that but i i do think that we agree that like certain gore based movies will focus too hard on gore and then like forget about plot or acting or flow or literally anything else you know oh and and it makes it a piss poor movie Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I'm definitely, definitely on board with you there. Um, definitely on board with you there, and I feel like that's the case with a lot of H.G. Lewis's movies, um, because a lot of the gruesomeness and shocking stuff that he had in his movies didn't exist at the time, and so um, it was obviously something you know, one of those things people had never seen before, kind of like yeah. Night of the Living Dead, and people had never seen that on a movie screen before, and that's. You know what? Everybody came to see it, but nowadays, yeah, um, for sure. But um, so that's the basic premise of the movie. Um, so, um, as far as the plot is concerned, we get a really fun opener that's supposed to be a disclaimer and a joke at the same time because it's basically saying, "Don't go out and do." rituals and seances and stuff and yeah how dangerous it is i i got the, i got the joke i did um because <laughs> I, I was like yeah this is supposed to be a joke but it's at the same time my first my first thought was like and boomers fucking complain about trigger warnings and look what they got in front of their movies like, <laughs> that was my um, first thought it was just a bitch about boomers if, i um oh sure i'll I, anytime we can bitch about boomers i'm i'm all here for it um, I like the bit at the end where it was like, this is done by seasoned professionals who have like part, like that have partaken in cannibalism or something. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> um, I, I, I got a good chuckle out of it, but it, uh, leads into a, the really shitty mom, the really shitty, mo- like 
is not a good mom. Um, she, <laughs> she leaves her kids at home because she's out of tampons. Um, then it has a cliche radio broadcast. Breaking news. Psycho escapes from insane asylum. Um, and uh, it shows the kids acting like they do later in the movie, like very obvious foreshadowing. Um, you have a man that literally breaks into the house uh, who we can assume is the killer that is being talked about on the radio. And you find out it's the kid's uncle, Anwar. And he gives them both amulets and uh, you hear police show up and then the uncle's like, keep these amulets and uh, make sure you remember everything I taught you. And then he goes outside and you hear gunshots. You see him gets killed. You, you see like really cheap lightning effects in the, <laughs> in the window. Just... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, was that lightning or did he just get like blown to pieces? <laughs> right. Um, I, I feel like a lot of effects in this movie are definitely on the cheaper side. Um, I, I do have the budget written down. It's $330,000. You can imagine that was just about as much as Halloween's budget was in 1978. So this is 1987, almost 10 years later. So you can imagine how even less of that it is here. Um, I mean, it's, it's a low budget. Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the director later on. I'm sure. Oh, sure. Um, you got to know like the confines of, of your budget is, um, but if you're going for like a schlocky gore filled fun mess, then yeah, you know, you, you did it right. You yeah, know, absolutely. Um, I think this is where the movie does take, or I think the movie does take mostly from HG Lewis, the whole, a splatter fest aspect. They, they tried to recreate that. And I feel like they definitely were successful. Um, but, um, yeah. Uh, but after the, after the uncle gets shot, you know, 20 years goes by, um, we see a couple of guys digging up Anwar's grave. We can assume those are the kids. Um, we're introduced uh, their names are Michael and George or Georgie, by the way, Georgie. One thing Georgie's always referred to as fat by different people. And I'm just sitting here like, in what world is this person fat? I don't know. I wanna, Late I, 80s America. I don't. Um. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but what? <laughs> One thing that you see him do is Michael hits the security guard in the back of the head with a shovel and his eyeballs instantly pop out. Yeah, I saw that. And then, like, one one thing that made, made me laugh, I it, I don't know why, because, again, this is an absurd part. George is able to pick the body up with, like, one hand or two hands easily and just tosses him, like, 10 feet behind him with ease. I'm sitting here like, that's a body. Yeah. How did he just? I mean, it's it's a it's a mostly decayed body, but it would just fall apart in your hand at that point. No, no I'm talking about the the um the um 
security guard. Oh, the freshly dead security guard. He just tossed him like it was nothing. Um, oh. but then that's that's the part where they do dig up the uncle. They take out his brain, put it into a jar and say a sentence unenthusiastically out of a book. And it comes to life and is able to speak like, well, I refuse to believe that they are saying anything more than what Charles Lee Ray says, <laughs> like which bodies and Chucky. That's basically what they were saying. Give me the power. I beg of you. That's and it. That's yeah. And it just works. Uh, um, to, real quick, the thing that I saw in this scene, because this scene, like this little bit struck out or stuck out to me. Yeah. The graveyard reminded me of a movie. Do you know what movie it reminded me of? No. Which one? We just talked about it. Um, oh, uh, uh, Friday part six. Yeah. Jason lives. The opening of Jason lives. Two friends in a gothic looking graveyard digging up a body. Yeah, I can see. I can see. It. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, well, people just need to stop digging up bodies. I'm telling you, like, I this is an official. Uh, I feel like I can speak for everyone on this podcast when I say, don't dig up bodies. No, we um, we're not we're not uh, pro digging up bodies. Just don't do it. It doesn't tend to lead to good things. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, also, just because you, I know you said you had tons of questions, Hannah, it, um, is anything said so far that that have invoked any questions that you said that you had, or are we not at any of any of those bits yet? Uh, so, other than what is this crawl, my God, at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, my first, like, serious question was during the scene, and it was, wasn't one of these children Asian? <laughs> and, because uh, Michael was definitely, like, Filipino or something. So, first of all, I've got questions about the parentage of these children. That was They're a little clearly, girl. like, that, that was. was. I found yeah. I found that out. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that, that kid and the adult were... Like somehow he changed ethnicities over the course of the the twenty years that went by, and I As we would, do. would like an explanation <laughs> from someone. <laughs> I don't think there is one, but by God, I deserve one. <laughs> I mean, Jackie Kong is still alive. You could try to get an explanation if you want. Well, yeah. you, you find her. I have fucking questions. There's extensive of the, for the. I have the Blu-ray of it. Um, it's it's uh, one of them fancy Vestron Blu-rays. This is the first time she's came out to discuss the movie in length with anybody. She apparently she famously doesn't really give interviews because she feels like for the movies she has made that she doesn't want to give away any sort of like elaboration on why things are done in the movie because I guess she feels like it's like a David Lynch sort of thing. She doesn't want anybody. She wants, she would rather have people elaborate versus have them actually know. <laughs> so there's that. Um, All right. Yeah. Um, but after they dig up the dead body, uh, we get introduced to our fine um, men and women and well, just men right now, I suppose, in, in blue, who are very smart. Um, you have the police chief, which I thought the police chief was played by the same guy who was the, the Uncle Anwar, just because I thought they sounded the same. 
but it's not him. But I thought they had, they sounded like they had the same voice, but it's not Uh, two different actors. And then we get introduced to um, Mark, who is, (laughs) he's, um, he is way too sleazy to be uh, like, I, I don't believe this guy as a police officer in any capacity. Um, they they kind of talk about how they're aware of, of the stuff that just happened at the graveyard um, and he lets Mark that he's, you know, that he's assigning him a new partner. Um, so um, curious how, how you all feel about the, the, the police force in this movie honest to god i kept forgetting that there was like a cop drama thing going on like by the by the end i knew there was a black female cop but other than that i i didn't honestly realize there were two men in it like there was so much to keep up with like i i didn't i they went by the wayside they were the least interesting thing on the screen to me yeah i um i personally feel like the only competent the the competent person competent police officer was um was shiva which does the um the black lady um what about you steve what about are you talking about the police yeah, I just didn't know if you had any uh, thoughts about I mean, those so, folks. So I'm in a class right now about strange detective literature. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about like that between like between this and that. <laughs> so just hearing about how just like just kind of skeezy and scummy cops are and those and like right. you're seeing how these people act, especially the chief, like who's just I serial he's a serial killer I don't know how to explain it more like he's just a serial killer like it's just like this weird thing going on in my head of where I'm like yeah no this this like this shouldn't be realistic sure as fuck seems like it is compared to the you know with some of the fucking uh, fiction that I've been reading like it just feels right in my head like the cops are generally like just kind of dumb or crazy or whatever and then there's like one competent cop and and then that's it so but right. the whole time that i was i was watching the whole like kind of uh cop side of this movie i was i was thinking of all these books i've had to read and everything gotcha no it makes sense um yeah the police force is something else Honestly, if somebody would have told me that this was a trauma movie, I feel like this is this has a lot of similar um, similar sort of humor that you would see in a trauma movie. You know, like it reminds parts of it remind me of like the Toxic Avenger. Um, Honestly, yeah. Um, and I think because trauma movies generally don't land for me. Sure. I was thinking about that when I was watching this movie. I was like, oh, this this gotcha. is trauma. This is a trauma movie. Uh, <laughs> and they, they don't generally land for me. You know, like, I know, like you were saying that, like, a lot of them don't land for you. The ones you like, you really, really like. Right. 
Um, and a lot of horror fans just love the shit out of trauma. I just don't get the hype, I guess, for it. Um, so when I was watching this, I was thinking this is a lot. I, I, I would know it's not a trauma movie, but I was sitting here going, this is a lot like a trauma. Right. Like if somebody went, yeah, that was actually trauma. It was Luke Hoffman uh, producing it, you know, everything. I'd be like, that makes sense. You know? Sure. Uh, sure. So. No, it doesn't look like he was anywhere near this movie to my understanding. Um, but like you said, if uh, somebody told me that he was, I believe him. Um, all right. So after we meet the police, um, they're, we were there. We're back in the, well, I guess we're in the diner for the first time with the uncle and he's explaining what needs to happen. Um, he also, there's like a, a part where he's like, I lost my life and I don't want to, I don't want to say schlong. I don't like that word. I don't like saying it. I'm not going to say it. I, well, I said it once, but I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm going to say dick because that's a much easier word to, to come out of my mouth than that other word. So I'm going to say that. So he says, I lost my life and my dick. And it's just so it, it's funny to me, I guess that he would, that he reveres them as the same, like his actual life, but also his dick. And I'm just like, it's such a, like a dumb thing to say. Um, but then he's multiple times throughout the movie, the uncle's like, what, what got me in trouble was all the, all the sex I had. And I'm like, okay, it's, <laughs> it made me feel very, uh, uncomfortable. Um, uh, real, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, but he, he tells the, he tells the brothers that they need to, um, they must cook a blood buffet. Um, and then they, he tells them that essentially they'll have to construct a, uh, construct a body <laughs> out of different body parts. Um, because what did he say? She's a vessel with many facets. So that's why the body parts have to be from different people and not just one. Um, but she, but he said she's going to be an immortal goddess, more powerful than Superman. Um, <laughs> like I said, this is stuff that's so absurd to me. It's just like, <laughs> um, I don't, it's so weird, like mentioning, another, like mentioning another fictional character in a movie, like to compare it to, I don't know. Um, but eventually we get to actually see what's happening in the diner and it's fucking booming. And apparently Georgie, as I mentioned early in the movie, well, the uncle did is, you know, he cooks really well. He's like a hibachi chef. He's like flipping around the salt and the pepper. Which I don't know why, because yeah, he's that's not. That's what I said. <laughs> he's not performing for it. I guess it's just supposed to show us that he knows what he's doing. He's able to chop the onions really fast, but it's just so kind of silly, just kind of flipping the <laughs> the salt and the pepper around. Um, uh, the uh, the table of girls is trying to pressure. Oh, excuse me, trying to pressure Connie into joining their shooting of um nude aerobics <laughs> on table <laughs> okay so 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 like 
This would be like the least Richard Simmons <laughs> workout I've ever seen. Like 80s and early 90s and all that workouts, I think of Richard Simmons and I think of like how gay it is. And then it's just a bunch of nude women with a guy going, get it, do it. Yeah, do it. Like, no, 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 no. I need Richard Simmons. That's all I got to say. Um, so we see, obviously, um, Connie's not feeling it. She doesn't want to do it. Uh, she's introduced to us as the virgin that they need to sacrifice to Sheetar. Um, one thing I noted was the shopping list that was on the table. Oh boy. The shopping list has, (laughs) (laughs) I remember the shopping list actually. This is what it has verbatim. Six dog dicks, three large rats, two golden retrievers, eight cats of any gender, MSG and dog food. Um, I feel like, I feel like if you got eight cats, you would have a bigger problem than uh, (laughs) your your random ass demigod trying to come back. If you have eight cats, you have eight gods right there. I mean, like, you you got a bigger problem. I have a problem with two cats sometimes. I can't imagine (laughs) eight. Um, I I used to live with someone who had eight cats. She definitely had a problem. <laughs> just I I, I kind of want to hear more about yeah, you know, not that, the, the, no no okay no. <laughs> another time another time she definitely had a, a problem there was always a cat going wrong or or whatever <laughs> I'll make but. a mental note of it um we also get introduced to vitamin C. I think it's his really fucking stupid name. Stupid name. It's such a fucking dumb like, name, and his, the pun is so stupid. He's like suspicious that he's eating meat. He's like, oh, I usually eat vegetarian. That's like, the best goddamn burger, veggie burger I ever had. It's the way he's it, talking to. It's human meat, you dingus. Yeah, what's your secret ingredient? And then he keeps yelling at George to turn the TV down, and he calls wrestling a homo sport and then George ends up like punching him and like he doesn't like vitamin doesn't react in like correctly he's just like oh that hurt like he doesn't get mad or anything it's just really weird how he reacts I guess um yeah so that's kind of the diner but we notice it's like popping like it's oh yeah like everybody loves coming to this place because everybody loves eating because i guess human meat is just addicting i guess oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, that reminded (laughs) me this is basically just uh sweeney todd without a barber but you just (laughs) in its place like once 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 mrs lovett starts making those pies they become popular though Right, right, right. Yeah. Yes. Like Sweeney Todd is inspired by Blood Diner. Physically hurt. Stephen uh, Sondheim wrote Sweeney Todd in the twenties. Or uh, yeah. He wrote Sweeney Todd like very early on. Sweeney Todd's I old. Was, I think it was a e. joke here. 
<laughs> I didn't know how old it was. I thought it. I thought it wasn't written until like the the like nineties or something. Oh, I didn't get the joke. That's my fault. No, yeah, you're good. I didn't. Old. I didn't know it was that old. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, apparently the story is like really old from like Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, sorry, okay. I did not get that joke. That went no, it's sad. right. Right by me. Um, my, my other thoughts on this were um, so they were definitely dressed like Asian Asian stereotypes in the first part of this, um, and then I have two thoughts on the uncle in this uh, early oh, kitchen boy. scenes. Yeah. So this uncle is basically just a fucking comedic hellraiser. Like, bring me my things so I can get better. You know, like do this, do that, um, and then also. I'm kind of mad that uh, uh, that the uncle's brain is not a Futurama reference because that happened like 20 years later. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that, actually. I'm sitting here going, that could be Richard Nixon's face right on that brain. And I would be sitting there going, that is a Futurama reference. Like, the whole time I was thinking of just Richard Nixon. But that's just me. Those are my thoughts. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh yeah, who was the who was the blonde mask? Because the one was Reagan. Who was the other one? When he goes and guns, we're we're not quite there, but like when he goes and guns people down, we're almost there. Yeah, so one of them's wearing like a Reagan mask, and the other one's wearing a blonde mask. I don't recall who the blonde one is. I'm going to assume it's Margaret Thatcher, but that's just. I was thinking um, JFK. JFK was a blonde. Well, you know what? I don't care. Well, no, no, it is now. Look, that adult guy isn't Asian either, so let's just go with it. We're not, no, JFK. What is... Yeah, okay. JFK is the shooter now, now okay? That's fine. JFK is yeah. the shooter, not the shooty. I always tell people, what if his head just did that? <laughs> What if it just just randomly did that? What if Lee Harvey Lee Harvey just like aimed and then his head exploded and everybody was just like he was just like huh and walked away. Y'all are going to hell. <laughs> what if it had one of those Belco experiment chips in his head? No. <laughs> uh, well, there's my presidential assassination quota for the month. Is it? You know, it's not. Oh, no, no. I'll make a reference later, but you know, it'll it'll be off my. I mean, it is a good segue because this is the next, the literal next scene is the nude aerobic scene, which at that point we see uh, someone in a in a Reagan mask shoot um, <laughs> shoot the whole place up. Lots of people die. Um, uh, so the uncle tells him that they need at least eight lungs and then they just, or no, not lungs, tongues, eight tongues. And they said, cut the vocal cords and bits around it and just put that in food in the diner. Um, oh, I bet vocal cords are real lean meat, right? I would imagine so, yeah. Um, that's when, I, okay, that, I, I have it noted down here. So that's when, whenever the uncle mentions that 
the reason that the bodies have, to, or sorry, the parts have to be from different bodies um, is because Shitar is, um, she's a composite that's made up of many facets, whatever the fuck that means. I thought um, it was just because she was a picky eater, but <laughs> um, the next scene it it did make me laugh. Kind of, it, it reminded me of this scene in this movie called um, Schlock. Yeah, that movie's that movie's straight comedy. That's just like a com- that movie's um very similar to something like Airplane. It's directed yeah. by. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've heard of it. I know what you're talking about. Um, Schlock is directed by John Landis. I think that movie's hysterical, but like I said, it's very similar to a parody movie like Airplane. It came out before Airplane, but um, or like The Holy Grail. But anyways, there's a scene in that movie where the police, like people are just putting the body parts in in bags. And so in Blood Diner, though, <laughs> you have all these police officers and everybody without gloves or equipment on just chucking body parts into garbage bags. Maybe the bags, maybe the garbage bags are like medical waste bags or whatever. They look like garbage bags to me. Um, we then get to meet Sheba Jackson, who is the new partner of Mark. We immediately learn that she is, the uh, she's actually the smart one the competent one um she's the only one who like does anything correctly she's the one who finds out the most information um uh we we have the chief at one point in time get mad at mark because he claims that he's not um respecting human life which, you know, he has a joke that, you know, he says that, but then immediately calls the humans goulash and says uh, to somebody carrying some body parts, parts off to, to see if they can get enough parts together to see if they can call some, like enough parts together to call some parents. Um, I thought it was funny, um, but that's that a whole kind of scene. And we have a few other scenes like that. Um, I would definitely say that that's not a correct police procedure though. Um, (laughs) No, I I doubt it. I don't think so. Um, I should call call 911 and ask, ask them. And I think I wouldn't get in trouble for doing that. Um, but after that, we go back to the diner, learn that the diner is actually supposed to be a health food restaurant, which that was that's just really funny to me, considering not only is there meat, it's human meat. Um, and then we keep seeing George watch wrestling again. So we know he's obsessed with it. Um, and we see that George has a bit of a temper. Uh we have vitamin there again, who says some dumb stuff. And then George ends up like choking him, which makes him vomit. But it's, you don't see vitamin C vomit, but you see like a, just a gigantic splash of liquid. Like it's a fucking guar show just like erupt everywhere, everywhere over everything. Um, and it, I, I remember, like, I remember seeing when it hits one group of, 
of it looks like maybe bikers all of them were like fucking laughing like they couldn't contain their laughter and i don't know if that i guess that was maybe like a a goof and they kept it in but um oh no i liked it um and then after that uh we see connie again and we know that she's going to be the one who's going to be chosen as the virgin like we definitely know at that point um we have michael who gives her his amulet and is like keep this and blah 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 um yeah so not a lot's happening um just kind of setting everything up uh cops kind of try you know slowly starting to figure things out they figure out it's gonna oh it's a health food restaurant um but uh i love like every time that we go to the police the chief just is like this is an unbelievable or no this is unbelievable at all this whole thing right here is believable and then it's like the most unbelievable thing that's what keeps happening though is yeah, they like, keep like, yeah, she keeps mentioning it, and the chief is just like, no, that's not it. And like, well, this is pretty plausible because they're connecting it to this, and it seems like it's likely. No, it's not it. it yeah, he will, he'll be like, no, it, it wasn't a cult. What happened to cannibals? It's like, dude, can't really, really? Like, you won't believe that there's a cult, but you'll think that there's just like cannibals running around? I mean, whatever. That's it's like 20 years ago was an eternity, and it's like, oh, no, it wasn't. Not really. <laughs> Definitely people, not. People, people go through 20 years like that. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the black and white footage that they showed um soon after that was from Blood Feast. I'm pretty sure it was. Um but uh they give more information about the feast and the ingredients. Um, uncle's a huge misogynist because he just keeps calling uh, women tramps and sluts. Once again, a good guy. The uncle is just the guy from Hellraiser, just in a comedic movie. Like that, that guy was just a piece of shit in Hellraiser too. And he's uncle. He is an uncle too. I forget. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just a comedic uncle in Hellraiser. Like oh man. <laughs> it makes so much sense. Um, but he does say they need two stomachs from, from a couple of tramps. Um, Eating a hobbit. <laughs> now, when they go to the club, this is the part I want to talk about and see what, what you all think about the club. <laughs> no. Okay, Michael looks like he's in like he's a part of Sigmund Freud, and then I feel like George kind of looks like a gay beetle. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like even in 1987, people would not have dressed up like that to go to the club. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know fashion. No, I, I don't think anyone could have seen that coming. <laughs> they instantly pick up two women instantly. Like no time passes between them going in there. Which, oh. funny, funny enough, is the most unrealistic part of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. The the kill also I, mean, I thought to mention the kill with the bouncer where he throws the bouncer in the street and then the hydro the car with the hydraulics squashes his head. 
um, that came across. That's another thing that came across as there were parts of this movie that came across as very trauma esque, and that was definitely one of them. Because he 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 gets obviously killed by that, and the other bouncer is like, "Hey, are you okay?" Uh, he's like, "Enjoy your night, guys." He's yeah, like- <laughs> so stupid. Um, but. After we see that, they they do go back to the diner, but then it cuts to before we see what happens to those girls, we cut to the um to the other rival health restaurant. Um Mondo Stan, yeah, Mondo Burger, yes. <laughs> uh Stan the Cook. I don't remember the name. I didn't write down the name of the restaurant. It's like Veggie World or something. Um, but Stan the cook and his puppet. And I know you mentioned that Hannah for a second. I wasn't sure I was before you could see that he was ventriloquisting to the doll. I was like, well, what's the, what? I wasn't sure if the doll was supposed to be alive or not. Yeah. What? Uh, I was like there, but they like the people <laughs> around talk to it like it was real and my note is like is the doll alive or are these people stupid because everybody that interacted with it just like chatted to it like it's real and in real life if you're around a ventriloquist dummy you like eye it sideways and then you leave (laughs) because they're creepy and wrong right and it was human size too it wasn't like a little doll that you sit on someone's lap it was almost the size of a human why which makes me think (laughs) so big which makes me think that this part of the movie is actually just a documentary on tlc about a guy in love with a doll (laughs) <laughs> we've all seen those right like where the guy's like this is this is my wife and it's just like a fucking doll that's yeah. my strange addiction yeah. um, it's not even my strange addiction they've got their own show for men that want to marry dolls just you know what to, good keep those men away from us <laughs> but yeah it, it's just that that's what this is um I think I want to say this. I want to say there, I feel like there were parts in the movie that were funnier than others. And I'll go into, well, I'll just mention it now. There's a part where the, where, um, uh, Stan, the cook, he gets killed. And I think his death is so funny to me. Cause that makes, that's kind of, he gets one, like one hand cut off. And then he runs his car and gets the other one cut off. Then he, he just drives his car with his stumps and just like is still tur- like like looking back. I was like, you fucking assholes. Like he's not even like upset about it, but he's just like driving his like car with his bloody stumps and he like runs into the side of a mountain. And it that like that was hysterical to me. I was like, that's that's really funny. Um Stuff like that hit more so than other stuff, but that that made me genuinely laugh. Um, but after we, after the you know parts where the detectives are talking to the puppet, I don't remember, but I didn't notice name down. But they they learn of the rivalry that, or rather, how much Stan the Cook hates the Tutman Cafe because of all the business that they steal from him, um, which it's kind of like a situation, I guess it's like, um, um, uh, the chum bucket in SpongeBob. It's not that the crusty crap stealing customers is that the chum bucket can't make food good. So, um, but, uh, 
one th- <laughs> one thing one thing that happens next is well not one thing but the, th- the shit that happens next is one of my favorite parts because i think it's amongst the more absurd things that happens it goes back to the two girls from the club at the diner with the boys and you <laughs> Oh, they, they, they separate because he's, you know, Michael's like, why don't you take whoever the girl was to George in the back, show her the back room. And then he ends up getting the, Michael gets the one girl he was with the blonde girl to like lather herself up in batter, which it doesn't make sense to me for not for one reason, because she's nowhere near a shower. So why would she be comfortable with getting so like, I can't, I would hate to be that sticky. Well, yeah, I don't even like getting batter on my fingers. Yeah. Imagine your whole body. And then like, I, okay. I thought it was really funny whenever, because what happens next is he puts batter like on her head and then it ends up shoving her head in the, in the fryer. But what out, out what what I think what you think is going to come out is like a really gruesome, drippy, melty face. And instead her head's like a hush puppy. It's like a perfect ball. <laughs> that makes it's, sense. <laughs> it's like a perfect fucking sphere. And she's she's running around like a like I don't know what like waving her arms and then um I don't know if it was Michael or George but someone comes up with um some sort of implement maybe a it's shovel a broom, a broom yeah and like in just one smack and lops her head off like it's easy and it just goes in the next room yeah um this scene had like my least favorite joke of the entire thing and oh again no. like i don't think i laughed at anything honestly because this just isn't my humor but gotcha this, this was the one he like laid her down on the counter next to the fryer and like who who wants to fuck there i don't that didn't make any sense but said, how do you make a battered girlfriend? Oh, yeah. How do you like, make a battered girlfriend? Fuck? Come on. Like, <sighs> not funny. At no point. I don't, that shouldn't even have been funny in the 80s. What the? Yeah, I grow. Sorry. Yeah. It's, you, it's what, you so didn't terrible. Make it. <laughs> it's so terrible. Um, but th- I think the funniest part of this whole thing was not with that, but the next part where her friend wants to leave. Uh, she sees that she walks out into the diner and sees that Michael's um, just kind of unceremoniously ripping out her guts and just tossing them like over his shoulder into the pot. She screams and she tries running away and she rush like runs. And before she walks out of the, out of the um, diner, she's like, Oh, I forgot my purse. <laughs> that uh, I I forgot about that part. It, it kind of sent me. I was like, "It's." <laughs> she forgot her purse, um, and she goes back to get it. And that's not the funniest part about it to me. She accidentally spills it, and she has like <laughs> a bunch of like baseball cards in her purse. And I don't know why that was so funny to me that she would just have a bunch of baseball cards in her purse. I mean, I'm not judging her for having baseball cards in her purse. I just don't know if there was like a weirder significance of that there. I, was that a normal thing for 
uh, women in the 80s to carry in their pocketbooks was baseball cards. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought that was great. And then after that, she tries to run away and she gets killed by one swipe vertically down the middle with like a meat cleaver that has to be like the sharpest thing in in the universe. Like that thing has to be made out of obsidian and uh, adamantium. Like it, it just cuts through her like it's nothing. And then they harvest her. Um, <laughs> the tone switches up really soon after that because it cuts to the uh, detectives um, that just they're, I, they're in a place that looks like San Francisco I don't think they ever say where they're at but I assume it's San Francisco because that's what it looks like but then the detectives are like at a, like an archaeological dig like in Jurassic Park because that's really easy to find, I guess. Um, and then they talk to the archaeologist who is just happens to be an expert on this bizarre and obscure, um, like blood cult and knows everything about it. And I mean, that serves to confirm the, uh, confirm the detectives hunches about, you know, all the stuff going on and how it all connects. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought that was, I don't know. I thought that was, that's something that seems like almost too far out of place, even for me. Cause I was like, I know there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie, but that was, that seemed so, out there i don't know i it seemed yeah a very weird choice um but uh we get a little bit more information about the whole blood feast it seems like they can just keep giving it to us in chunks um and you know it doesn't really matter i guess but one thing i, I noted was uh back at the diner where it's the next like the next day or whatever george has a foot cream that he's selling for five bucks <laughs> Um, I <laughs> um, and he oh he kills the IRS agent there too just randomly. That's the where the fish sticks come from or the fish finger platter. Um, uh, they also need the lungs and liver from two sluts. Um, and then Michael uses his hypno hypnotization skills on the. Uh, on Connie to come to his event. Um, but that the thing with the fingers, though, kind of just. Nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I just like I know it's I know it's complete nonsense, too. And you're, it's like one of those things. It's like, don't think like so much of this movie is just don't think too far into it but it's just i can't get over that like there's a bone in the middle of there and one guy yeah. when he ate it he seemed like he had a hard time swallowing it but like you would bite down on yeah. it and you can't it's a bone yeah you know what i mean it's a bone <laughs> just dip it in some ketchup you'll be all right 
I guess tartar so. sauce. Come on now. You tartar sauce for free. human fingers. <laughs> it's a fish stick, theoretically. It's theoretically it's a fish stick. I don't even dip my fish sticks in tartar sauce. Why would I dip a human finger in it? <laughs> um, I just it's so it's kind of funny to me that just an, a random IRS agent just comes up with this badge. He's like, I'm here to look at your books. That's what he gets for wanting to look at his books, I guess. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether or not um, it's this is supposed to be vitamin C. But in the next scene, we have the, uh, you know, um, George going out to the cave to kill that one girl that. Anwar called on the phone and he runs over a guy and I'm assuming that's supposed to be vitamin C, but I feel like his hair looked different, but he runs over him like a hundred times. Like he runs over him a lot. It's a reasonable amount of time. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Like he hits him once. He seems okay. He hits him twice. He's like crawling on the ground. The third time he hits him, he's standing up and limping. Um, that seems like it's reversed, and I I think uh, maybe they cut it incorrectly. I don't know. Um, but he does it so many times. Um, but he goes to try to kill that girl at the cave, and <laughs> whenever he, you know George is like, "This is going to be easy," she kicks his ass. She like beats the shit out of him. That was nice. Enjoyed that. Yes. Um, the director, uh, Jackie Kong, she specifically said she wanted a scenario where it would be like that to where um, it would be the complete opposite of stuff you've always seen in situations like that in horror movies. And she wanted um, the girl he, that he was trying to kill to be able to like beat the shit out of him. And the only reason she died was because there was an earthquake in Iraq. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Troy, but Troy, yeah, you cut it out after that was really cool. So start with that was really cool. Okay, I'm um, sorry about that. I'm not sure what's going on. No, it's okay. It's first time it's happened all night, so it's not a big deal. Oh, no worries. Um, all right, so yeah, it was really cool that she just kind of rocked his shit and that it was a, a nice change of pace from what we've been seeing for sure. Um, and then after that, you know, cops show up. Um, I feel like at that point they confirm that it is definitely um, everything's connected with the whole, like they, they are aware of the, of the blood feast and everything. And now it's just trying to figure out who exactly it is. Um, and then it ends up being that we find out that it's, you know, they find out that it's the brothers at the same time you have Stan, the cook steals the head of Anwar. That's when they go to the, you know, the scene where they end up killing him and, yeah. uh, he drives away with his bloody hand stumps. Um, but at the same time in that same stuff that's happening they knock out the 
they knock out the cop, Sheba Jackson. Um, and then from here on out, um, it gets to, um, you know, basically to the end of the, you know, the end of the movie, um, we, one kind of weird part, I think is I, I want to know what those drugs were. I uh, them as yeah. like pink peanut M&Ms because they were like huge. They were fucking humongous. Would you, would you take down pink M&Ms? You know what? Fuck it. Sorry. Uh, would you no. take down pink peanut M&Ms? I don't know. Um, I don't know either. I I don't believe so, honestly. I'd rather really um, have ecstasy, but you know, whatever. yeah, <laughs> me me too. Um, but um, before we get to the actual event, the one thing that does happen is the wrestling match against Jimmy Hitler. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The- so real quick, uh, we are probably about 15 minutes away from needing to be done. Like okay. that's our hard line. Like we need to be done. So okay, take that as, as you want. That'll put us around an hour and 50 minutes. So, sure. um, I just wanted to jump in there and just let you know time real quick. Uh, okay. so yeah, go on with what you were doing. No worries. Yeah. So we have, we have the wrestling match between Jimmy Hitler and George. George is losing heavily. Then um, Michael distracts Jimmy Hitler by shooting him with a slingshot. And then George bites a chunk of his leg off and then spits it at Connie. Just and then it causes her to want to like she wouldn't have had to been knocked out if if he didn't just not do that like the, the fuck um and basically from from then on it's it's pretty straightforward um they go to the feast um they do the ritual which does wake up should uh, shitar. And in doing so, it, it creates a whole audience of zombies. And they eat each other and eat everyone. Um, Sheetar has the ability to like blow people's body parts up with her zappy finger. Um, this is the genres, one of the genre switches where I was like, I don't. I get what's going on, but I don't know if I like needed it. Cause like it started out as kind of like a cannibal movie. And then it went into kind of being a Frankenstein movie with like yes. putting the body. And, and then you've got like the detective police procedural going on with it. And then you got the slasher, like there's a slasher element going on here. Yeah. And then you add zombies and I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, kind of like, Whoa, we've, we've, uh, you know, we've run the gambit here for, for subgenres and horror. So last thing I needed was a vampire, you know, and then and then <laughs> would have would have made it. But right. I, I do think that that would like for me, 
uh, it's part of why I don't like the movie The Empty Man. We were talking about The Empty Man earlier. Is that like it just switches genres so many times, like subgenres and horror, that I'm just like, okay, this feels sort of like jumbled. Um, so, but yeah, I just want to point out this is that moment where I went, okay, yeah, no, I I think uh, this might be a, a bit much for me personally. I feel that. Um, the band is so weird. Like, I, you know, I don't know what the fixation on Hitler is, I guess. Maybe I think in the eighties, it's just this shot, like a shock thing, I guess. Um, but two of the band members were dressed up as Hitler. Um, the band leader, he looked like sleazy P martini from Guar. Like that's what he reminded me of. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, like I, if you look at him, like it, that's all I can think of. This, I, I, this I can, comically I can, large pompadour. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, um, yeah, and what ends up happening is, I mean, it's uh, Michael ends up getting shot before he can sacrifice. Um, before he can sacrifice, uh, you know, Connie. And then you think that Mark is going to be shoved into Shiva's abdomen mouth, but instead George gets in there and I didn't really realize it at the time, but I guess George is a virgin because I mentioned a few times that he's gay, but he, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming he's a virgin because you know, she tar didn't die. And I'm assuming that she would have like died if, she would have eaten her for first meal would not would have not been a virgin. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, after that, it's, you know, pretty straightforward, nothing really more to say. Uh, big old cleanup, big old aftermath of tons and tons and tons of bodies. Um, and then the movie ends with, uh, with some lady who is she tar, which I guess Sheetar has the brain of the uncle. Um, that's the body. I was thinking he was in the body of like some rando, but then I realized, oh, he's in, he's in the or she, he's in the body of Sheetar. All right. So this, I don't mean to interrupt here, uh, but this ending where you know, she, you know, he she gets in the car, uh, Sheetar, yeah. and, and drives off. What does this ending remind you of? Does this remind you of any movies? Oh God, yeah. Um, oh, what am I fucking thinking of? Um, I'll tell you if you want me. Yeah, please. Hello, yeah, Mary one. Lou, prom night two. That's not what I was thinking of, but yes, that that one as well. What? What then, were you, Hannah? Uh, mine was uh, interview with a vampire when Lestat jumps in the car. Oh yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. That's right. I guess the like the, the demonic possession, the like possession thing, like made me really go, no, this is prom night too. Yeah, well, I actually liked Interview with a Vampire, so that's why. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to pick prom night two one time and we'll listen to you complain, but we'll talk about how much I love it. You know what? I've already seen prom night two. I'm not watching it again. <laughs> I'll watch it for this podcast. I really like that movie too. Um, I love prom night two. Yeah, I like I, I I don't want to get too far into it because we don't have time, but I like Prom Night 2 better than Prom Night. That's just me. Me too. Um, 
but yeah, so she gets in the car with him and then, you know, she's not dead and why he wants to still, um, be with this girl after she looks like she's, um, Sindel from fucking Mortal Kombat is beyond me, but you know, he's hot, bothered and horny, as you said. So he rolls off in the distance. Great. roll. See, that was Blood Diner. Um, I'll go through some facts really quick about the movie All right. before we end here. Uh, it was released in 1987, had a hour and 28 minute long runtime, a budget of $330,000. When I was looking up the box office, it doesn't show that there was a theatrical release, so I'm pretty sure that this only had a home video release because that's what Vestron did a lot of was just straight to you know home video releases. And the only amount I got was $177,188. And I don't think that that's accounting for the home video market in 1987 or whenever it was distributed back then. It's not, I guarantee you. Uh, right, because I can imagine it definitely made its money back. Um, in that it's, eventually, I doubt it made its money back in time for people to be pleased, but it, I sure it did. Um, we have, as far as the starring roles, Rick Burks as Michael Tutman. None of these people I've heard from anything else. Uh, Carl Crew as George Tutman, Roger Dower as Mark Shepard, Lynette LaFrance as Sheba Jackson, Lisa Elena as Connie Stanton, Max Morris as the chief, Andrew Goderis as Anwar. This was directed by Jackie Kong. The only two credits that I've heard of by her aside from this were a movie called The Being and Night Patrol. Uh, this is written by Michael Saunier, I'm not familiar with. And then this was produced by Lawrence Kasanoff. And also Jackie Kong. Uh, Kasanoff also produced Chud 2, which I think is a fun movie. And then all of the Mortal Kombat movies, including the newest mm. one. Interesting. Um, fun facts it's banned, or it was at the time when it came out, banned in a number of provinces in Canada. And the only other fun fact that I saw or a quote from Jackie Kong was that. Um, it says here, director Jackie Kong said that instead of the film's success giving her opportunities in the industry, distributors would be shocked when they met her because they thought that she was a man. They didn't know what to make of her because women directors were unheard of in the industry. She also said she wanted to do this movie mostly because people didn't think that a very not not only a woman but a very young woman and a woman of color could ever make a movie like this such an absurd crazy movie and she said fuck you i'll prove you wrong and definitely make a movie like this and she did so hannah you uh i, I don't want to interrupt but i know You're fine has yeah. thoughts on the director and and uh all of that so um, can we hand it over to Hannah real quick? Uh, absolutely. I was done with all the trivia and stuff. Sweet. Awesome. Hannah? I did, because um, I know, Troy, you had said you were interested in what I would think of a horror movie like this directed by a woman. And I do have thoughts. Um, so I wanted to give just a little bit of context. I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to be brief. Um, in the... 60s and 70s, of course, we got the second wave feminism. Uh, there were a couple schools of thought 
um, among them cultural feminism and radical feminism, and they were dealing with um, ideas about specific, and this is all going to be about cis women, right? Because they weren't necessarily dealing with trans women or non-binary or anything like that. Uh, but they were looking at the way women specifically were experiencing the world and talking about how, you know, we need to pay attention to that. That's where some of women's problems and oppression comes from. And that maybe there are ways that women are socialized or experience the world that might actually be better than the way men do, because a lot of the ways that men are socialized are really toxic. Uh, when you get to the 80s and 90s, and of course this was made in 87, that had kind of given way to liberal feminism, which argues for something called gender neutrality. And the idea there is that male or female doesn't matter and everyone can do anything, which it sounds like is what Jackie Hong was going for. And that sounds great in theory. And, you know, you absolutely want to believe that, that everyone can do anything. I do believe that. But a criticism of liberal feminism is that if you don't work on unpacking gender roles, first of all, and what we think of as the standard and of, you know, goals, what tends to happen in gender neutrality is that we idolize what men do. That becomes the standard. And women end up emulating male behavior. So... In a movie like this, or rather in movies like the 80s, uh, all these 80s slashers where you get a lot of homophobic language, you get a lot of misogyny, you get a lot of um, objectification of female bodies, and you get a woman directing a movie like that who wants to prove she can make a movie like that if you don't have some sort of criticism going in there of the tropes that you're working with and you're just trying to prove that you can do as good as the men, you end up doing as bad as the men. To me, a woman creating a movie that is as homophobic and misogynistic as the one that men of the time were making, maybe that's a milestone, but I don't think it's one that should necessarily be celebrated. Uh, I would have liked this better, I think, even if it weren't necessarily my thing, if she had been maybe challenging that instead of just doubling down on it. Fair, fair. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, uh, and, and we were talking uh, earlier, and she hasn't seen it yet, but, uh, you know, there's a couple of people, who, women who have made horror movies in the 80s. Um, one who Hannah's going to mention here in a minute, and then uh, the director of the Slumber Party Massacre, mm -hmm. uh, and and I do think that like we need to cover Slumber Party Massacre here in a little bit, just so we can see the comparison between this one and that one. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I do think it's a fair criticism to think. And, and first of all, I'm a man, like we all know that. But like, so take my my opinion with a grain of salt. But I think it's a fair criticism to say that like, hey, maybe you know. Uh, the genre that might, you know, the, the subgenre of horror that um, gets the most criticism of how it treats women. Maybe women should uh, try to uh, push against those tropes. Um, so I, I think it's fair uh, criticism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, anyway, Troy, uh, do you do, do you have any more thoughts, Hannah, before we end that? 
No, that that was the most intelligent thing I had to say about the whole thing. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess, uh, do you have any other thoughts? If not, just give your rating and we'll start with that. All right. Absolutely. Uh, Troy, did you want to go first? Or am I going no, first? no, you go first. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Troy. There was just nothing in this that I really liked. Or enjoy. Okay, no, I did like that one woman ripping that guy's ball, like breaking them. That was really funny. Um, so yeah, I'll give it a two out of ten. Just for that. <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, other than that, there was. I, I just did not have a good time. Can't, can't love them all. Can't be neutral on them all. You know. That's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. No. No worries. Troy, why don't you go ahead? All right. Um, my rating. I can imagine. Steve is probably higher than yours. Uh, I'm I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a seven, and that's that's because I like you said earlier. I think um, my nostalgia still holds it dear yeah. to me, but I also really like I I really personally like the super absurd um, humor, like the slapsticky stuff myself. So yeah, yeah, you 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 have a different taste for it, and I do appreciate that you're willing to just like be like. And I we've been doing this for a while now, but yeah. I do appreciate that you're always just like, yeah, no, that's fair. When someone yeah. has a critique for you, the movies yeah. you like, that's how I am. And I'm like, if someone has a critique, or you know, some of my favorite movies, Hannah makes fun of in front of my face sometimes, and I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, you know what, that that's fine. I don't agree, but that's cool. Everybody has their taste. It's just movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'd always appreciate because some people are not this way. Um, always appreciate when someone is just really cool about things uh, for me. Yeah. It's not a two out of 10 for me. Uh, and, and part of it is that uh, there were elements that I was like, Oh, if it would have kept going with this, I w- actually think I would have like enjoyed this movie. Um, sure. I think if it would have tried to be a Frankenstein movie, I would have fucking loved it. I love Frankenstein movies. Uh and and this idea that they're trying to bring a, a a goddess back through a Frankenstein's monster, kind of a cool idea. I think it could have had some uh, interesting things to say um, if they did that. Uh, but I do think like it's it's not my style of humor. Uh, there's a lot of times that I find this um, trauma style to be uh kind of over the top or not my thing so overall i would give this movie about a like a four out of ten um so it's once again between you two i'm in the middle yeah so we all we all fall in place i guess uh and uh troy if you don't mind i'll take over the reins here real quick Uh, so that was blood Diner. I almost said Diamond for some reason. That's a totally different movie. Uh, <laughs> that, is Blood, different movie. <laughs> that is Blood Diner. And so for Halloween this year, the coveted month, Hannah gets to pick. Hannah, what have you picked for us to watch for Halloween? Oh, I'm so excited. So every movie that I've picked this year so far has been directed by a woman, and I decided to keep that up. Um, I decided to go a little more, uh, well-known than stuff that I tend to really like. I'm keeping it R-rated as sort of, um, again, kind of a classic. I am going with Catherine Bigelow's 1987, I think, Near Dark. Hell yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm going to rate that movie. I love that yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. I figured that's one we all like, and that'll be kind of a nice way to spend Halloween on something that I know we're all going to really enjoy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one for Halloween. I feel like that's a classic that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Uh, yeah, you and I just watched it last year. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I need to find a Blu-ray of it if it exists. I know there's one like coming. I don't know. Uh, but we can find it, watch it. You've got that uh, that site, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and for, and for me... I don't know fully what I'm going to pick. I just know I'm leaving the 80s. We've been in the 80s for uh, like four (laughs) months now. So you can count on me leaving the 80s behind for November. Uh, That's the only thing I got to say. So with that, we are out of time. Uh, So it's been great talking about Blood Diner. Uh, We'll be back. Troy and I will be back. I'm sure talking about, uh, you know, Jason versus Carrie or new blood, whatever the fuck you want to call that. And then we'll be probably kind of like just hardcore hitting it through the rest of these damn movies and uh, completely ignoring Jason takes a boat to Manhattan or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Oh, come on. Scarefest. We got Scarefest coming up in our party. Yeah, we got Scarefest coming up in a a party that, uh, so the party is on the 23rd. The Scarefest is the 21st to the 23rd of October. And on the 23rd of that at the Green Lantern in Lexington, if you live near us, we will be having a party. So, you know, come check us out. Come check out Scarefest. If you if you live within like fucking like 70 miles of Scarefest, you should come check it out if you're a diehard horror fan. Um, so, yeah, come do all that. But until that Halloween month, I'm Steven. I'm Hannah. I'm Troy. And we'll see you next time. podcast was made by horror fans like yourself. Intro music by Aaron Burcham.